Navigating Business Podcast, where we dive into the lives and stories of small business owners from around the country to learn what's worked, what hasn't, and everything else in between. Our goal here is to share as much high-quality business information as possible. And the best part is, it's all by business owners for business owners. Everything here is all about small business. So Talith, thanks again for joining us on the podcast today. How's it going with you today? All is well, man. Good to be with you. Thanks for having me. Yeah, definitely. Uh, it's been fun to to learn a little bit more about your business. So I'm excited for you to share about that. Why don't you tell us a little bit about you and, and what you do? Yeah, happy to. And and it's uh, likewise, it's been fun learning a little bit about you, Nate, and, and the work that you're doing with this podcast and otherwise. But but yeah, happy to give you a, a little bit of background. My name's Talif Lundeval. Uh, I was born in Norway, moved to the States in, in 97. Grew up outside Chicago, uh, always had kind of a, an entrepreneurial muscle that I was flexing growing up, whether it was like starting a dog walking business in, in seventh grade or being my own boss and caddying, getting paid in cash. So I always kind of had a, an interest in that. You know, after, after college, after pursuing sports for some time, I worked at Google and, and that ultimately led, led me to starting my own company called Accelerated Digital Media, or as, as we refer to it, ADM. And what we do is we're a performance digital marketing company based in Chicago. We offer digital marketing service services that maximize our clients' opportunity to find and convert online customers. So if, if there's an online business or a business that has any sort of online presence, they're investing in, in any sort of customer acquisition means or, or direct sales means online, we support the maximization of, of those opportunities. We offer search engine marketing, covering Google, Bing, Yahoo. We offer social media marketing, covering Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn, Pinterest, Twitter, Snap. We, we offer SEO or search engine optimization services. We offer creative strategy, and, and then we also offer website optimization services. So ensuring that when individuals, potential customers do meet our clients' websites, their website is in a position that, again, maximizes that opportunity to acquire customers and, and maximize the sales from their site. Yeah, that's great. Really covering a lot of needs for your clients, it sounds like, especially in a, an arena of marketing that has so many options and possibilities. It, it's cool that you guys kind of have a, a wide bandwidth there of, of pieces you're able to help with. So kind of getting into that, you know, when I think about digital marketing, I think, wow, this is a huge field. It's obviously growing. There's always new platforms, whether that's, you know, relatively recent ones like TikTok or even like you said, Snap that are, you know, a little more recent than things like Facebook or LinkedIn. So what advice do you have for business owners who are not marketers, who do not really know the field as they're trying to navigate that, as they're just getting into it, you know, they're saying, can you help us? There's so much to do here. What kind of advice do you have for people trying to kind of figure out digital marketing and, and find what makes sense for their business in there? Yeah, I think there's, there's a lot of directions I could, I could go in terms of answering this question because I, I just explained the services that we offer, which by no means are all of the services that someone should be using or, or, uh, or what a business should be using when finding opportunity or, or pursuing customers or simply interacting with their existing customers online. So there, there's so many ways to take that question, but I think one, one area that, that consistently I think our, our clients and prospective clients and businesses in general should be paying attention to is, is their goals and, and really understanding their financials and their goals before diving into the digital marketing space. And, and the reason why that's so important is one of the advantages of digital marketing 
is measuring performance. And while it's not perfect, it's pretty good. And, and depending on the business model, right? You know, if you're e-commerce, that's a lot different. If you're lead generation or you're trying to get an individual to go into a retail location, but depending on the business model, one can typically measure profitability dollars out and dollars coming directly in as a result of, of digital marketing. So if you're a business who's looking to explore digital, take the time to understand the concept of return on ad spend um, or ROAS as some industry individuals call it and, and see if you're able to calculate those specific metrics and, and that specific number for your company. I just learned a new acronym, ROAS. That's helpful. <laughs> but ROAS, yeah, it's I've heard it pronounced a few ways too. No, that makes sense. Yeah, that's that's great. I mean, I would imagine that's got to be some pretty concrete data when you're starting to look at that and get into that as to what's actually working and what isn't. Yeah, it, it, I mean, l- let's let's take the simplest example to kind of expound upon upon that point, right? You've got an e-commerce company. You know the margins of your of your products, or let's say you have a single product. You you, know, you obviously know what you you can afford to to pay to market that product to sell it, or if you know generally the margins of your products, or perhaps if you're you know you've got hundreds if not thousands of of SKUs in an e-commerce company, you know the buckets, right? Some some products are are operating at a fifty percent margin, some at a twenty, some at a five, whatever that is, and and essentially you want to understand what are you willing to spend in order to generate sales for that product or group of products in order to generate a profit. So what's probably easiest is calculate the break even. And you know, if you're able to spend less than that, or if you're able to spend uh, relatively less than that, you're then every dollar you make is profitability. Yeah, that's a great way of putting it. And you know, when you're starting to think about the financial side, which oftentimes is obviously how I'm looking at a business. It's interesting to, to think about marketing in the same way and, and be able to see that and how that impacts margins and how much makes sense to even put towards ads for different products and different approaches, I'm sure, with that as well. So yeah, that's that's great. So you mentioned dog walking, you mentioned caddying and some of those kind of early entrepreneurial journeys. You've been a part of a couple of businesses, you know, looking through your LinkedIn profile and such as well already. What are some of the things that you've seen that kind of transcend all those businesses and business types as far as one or two things that you've learned about the business process, about building out a business? Yeah, th- thanks for asking. And, and yeah, I think to, to maybe build my credibility a bit more than dog walking and, <laughs> and caddying. Those were like the middle school, high school days. But I started a camp when I was in college that was doing six figures in revenue every summer. Um, I started an app with uh, a buddy after college before going to Google, which I mean, ultimately that wasn't as successful as we wanted to, but, but I have been consistently starting and, and operating businesses. I think in terms of the, the themes that are consistent uh, or, or the values that consistently have, have rewarded me in, in the form of, of success with these different ventures is, is the, the first one that comes to mind is it's, it's crucial to maintain uh, a level head. And what I mean by that is, you know, I don't let the highs get me too high I don't get the lows get me too low. And I think that that's a, a characteristic that I've seen of not only other entrepreneurs, but just other of my friends, others of my friends that are, are salespeople where, you know, you've got a lot of time there's a lull in a sales process. And then when it rains, it pours or that client that you've been speaking to for months comes back. And, and I think for, for me, one thing that I learned from sports and business that, that I apply to, to business now is that, you know, what, when you get a, positive answer or positive results, you got to tell yourself, you know, you're only as good as the next one. You're only as good as your next lead. You're only as good as your next sale. You're only as good as your next month. And you're only as good as your next year. So really 
humbling oneself in order to not be too high on that moment and be focused on getting back to work and, and generating that, that next opportunity. And then the other side of that is, is obviously when, when you get a no, you know, you pour months into preparation, relationship building, whatever the sales process may be, and, and you get turned down. And I think what, what I always tell myself is to control what I can control. And that was something my high school basketball coach always said to me, which I, I then made my, my college basketball coach picked up on that one and started using that too. But, <laughs> but control what you can control, which is you can't make the client, in, in my example, say yes at the end of your sales pitch. But you can ask the client for feedback on what you could have done better. You can ask the client what their thoughts on your deck were. You can ask them how you, you could have addressed their questions better. And essentially just looking at oneself to say, hey, how could I have changed what I do to have a more optimal outcome? But in short, you know, don't let the highs get you too high and the lows get you too low. It's really interesting. I think being a business owner, like you're saying, is one of the most roller coaster like experiences in a lot of ways because especially when you're, you know, kind of in the early stages, you're just looking for that one client or that ideal client. And then when you finally get to that point, like you said, you feel like you can take on the world, but then obviously you have the other side too, where, where things don't go well, you have failed pitches or you don't do something as well as you'd like to. And it feels like everything's on your shoulders because it is because you're the owner of the business, right? So I love that. I think that's really key to being grounded to kind of just persisting through doing the daily activities that you need to do to keep growing the business. I think that's really important. So yeah, that, that's great. And thanks again for giving some, some more of your experiences there with business ownership. I knew that you had more than dog walking because I looked at LinkedIn, yeah. but I appreciate that you shared that. Um, and those are, those are some cool experiences. So kind of taking um, what you were saying about being humble with the things that don't go well and going from there, what are one or two things that, that you've done either with ADM or with past business experiences that have not worked well or even failed? And what would you do differently with those things? Yeah, that's, that's, always, that's always a good question, right? I think, um, you know, in part, I look back on the last few years and be like, wow, everything's gone so well. We've been so lucky. We've responded to COVID well. We've hired the right people for the most part. But, but in terms of areas where... You know, I, I, I certainly didn't have any way of knowing in the moment, um, but areas where if I, if I could go back with the information I have now, I, I would do things a little differently. One, one thing that I was pretty adamant about about two years ago was continuing to, to use international support in terms of the operations side of, of our business with ADM. So I, I originally started scaling this company by poaching individuals that I knew Google worked with internationally, and I knew that from my stint at Google. And I just, you know, I interviewed like 50 people that I connected with on LinkedIn trying to, number one, understand their, their capabilities. And then number two, convince them if they were at a level that, that I, I wanted to pursue in terms of their knowledge and their ability to, to execute some of these digital marketing services, then convince them to leave their existing employer and, and work for me as, as, a, as an outsourcer, technically a contractor, but they were paid as, as an FTE in terms of the, the dollar amount. And I got feedback from my team when I started to build them out in the U.S. And they were managing some of these international resources. But the feedback was that we, we are going to be better long term if we move all of our operations to the U.S., which, you know, easy for them to say. They're probably right. You know, there's more proximity, probably a higher level of support, not necessarily, but everything's easier in terms of communication, location, et cetera. 
a little, a little more difficult for me to digest knowing that I'd be paying people four or five, you know, sometimes 10 X more than what they were making when I was working with individuals in, in Bangalore, India, for example. Mm -hmm. So ultimately we ended up moving away from Bangalore, but I had this other relationship with an individual in Argentina who I know a lot of companies, uh, some big digital agencies in, in Chicago even have operations set up in Argentina. And so I connected with a couple of companies out there and, and I tried to essentially set up the same structure as what we had in India, but thinking we, you know, the, the impression that we had was we had a higher level of, of support from the, these individuals, which were all coming from a single company in Argentina. They spoke English a little, a little cleaner. Their time zone was more aligned with ours. And we were looking at people that had a, a higher level of education too. And, and I was dead set on making this work because the margins are obviously so much better. Ultimately, the final product and what we were able to get out of our, our team in Argentina wasn't nearly as good as what we were capable of with our team in Chicago. And, you know, even though it might make in the short term our margins better, in order to grow our business and really set ourselves apart with the quality of our service, which has been the goal from day one, it, it was apparent that, you know, no one outside of the country, at least that we've worked with so far, was the, the solution to our woes or to our account management. So ultimately, thinking back, I should have listened to my team the first time they said it. I should not have pursued another international opportunity and, and we should have moved as soon as possible all of our operations to move them all dom domestically, you know, as soon as we made the switch in the first place and not looking for another opportunity internationally. But that said, you know, maybe I just found the wrong people and maybe I found the wrong company and I could be saying something totally different if we had networked a little harder, or recruited a little more. You know, that's what's tough to say. That's why it's kind of like that, that experience specifically is one that based on what I know now, I wouldn't pursue those same people, but maybe there, there could be a different answer if we had gone a different route. Right. Yeah. And, and that's so tricky, both from a, a financial side, as well as what you're saying, just the quality of the service that you're providing to your clients, because, you know, wages take up such a high piece proportion of, of a company's, you know, income statement. When you look at the bottom line and you wonder where all your profit goes, it's usually because of payroll taking a, a big chunk of that. So it's really hard to, to kind of balance those two, you know, quality versus price as well. So yeah, that's, that's a pretty interesting lesson there. I want to ask you, one more question here to, to kind of wrap up your business experiences. And, and I guess this, this is kind of a, an interesting question because you, know, you can kind of think about it as your experiences as a marketer, but also your experiences as a business owner. How can business owners best stand out from their competition? I mean, there's, there's so many businesses that are well-connected online now that are working virtually. If you're one of 500 other businesses that are doing something similar to yours, how do you best stand out? You know, I think the cookie cutter, but truthful answer is you stand out by having superior products or services, superior quality, price, and marketing. Those are the, the key components of, of how to stand out as a business. I think to be a bit more specific, and I assume, I mean, you say business owner, but you obviously are talking about the businesses themselves, right? Right. Yeah. I, I was saying, you know, kind of as a business owner, how do you guide your business into standing out? Yeah. So, I mean, there, there, there's no question. I think superior product services, you know, essentially your quality price and, and marketing is, is how one, one stands out. I think one, one way to do it is 
identify who your competition is and identify how they stand out, right? Does one do it with price? One do it with quality? One do it with marketing? Do they do it in some other way that, that's more creative than, than what I'm sharing? And then identify something that is, is unique, either, hey, can you have a unique selling point and do it better than one of the, you know, one of those other companies in that competition? Or can you just find a different unique selling point and focus on that and, you know, and make, you know, for example, one of the ways that, that we stand out at, at ADM is with our references. Obviously, you can't put the cart before the horse. You have to have clients to get references. But one of my most important pieces of advice to anyone who's looking for digital marketing support or digital services, because there's such little barrier to entry with getting into this industry, it's hard to be good. It's easy to, it's easy to, to try. And, you know, one of, one of my biggest pieces of advice, which I, I would tell to anyone who, who's listening here is that make sure if you're going to work with some of the digital space, you follow up with references, you get real examples of clients they've worked with, and you have real conversations with them, not just one, but multiple, because it's too easy to sell snake oil. It's too easy to sell someone on a dream with SEO and say, <laughs> Hey, talk to us in six months you're going to see great results. Six months go by, you've been sending them a paycheck every month and they have nothing to show for it. So that's one of my pieces of advice. And, and that's really what we, one of the ways that we stand out with our clients. And I think, you know, it's a lot to ask your clients to, to be references, to write reviews. And, and that's where, you know, our clients are, are always asking us for things. And, and they're often asking us for things that are outside of our, our, you know, our technical agreed upon statement of work, but nine times out of 10, we're going to do it because we know that there's going to be some way that they can return the favor to us. They can go above and beyond their agreement with, with our company and, and they, you know, they can vouch for us or they can give us a review or they can give us a testimonial. And, and that always makes it worth it to go above and beyond on, on our end. I hope, uh, I hope that answers some, if not all of your question, Nate, but happy to expound if, if you'd like me to. No, that, that definitely does. I think that's such a huge piece of, you know, when you're going through the process of trying to figure out who to work with, like you said, when there's so many people who can just get into the, even the field of digital marketing, but there's so few that maybe are consistent in providing results. It's, it's pretty interesting to think about the process of asking for a testimonial, because I think so often when we're the consumer, there's almost something that we're feeling like it, it feels improper to ask for a testimonial. I don't know. Maybe that's just me. But if I'm working with someone, you know, I'm like, I, I don't want to ask them. It feels rude to ask, you know, hey, can I talk to some of your current clients? But I think that's totally appropriate. And I think if you're running a well-run business with a solid client base, you're going to have clients who are definitely willing to do that. So I love that. I think that's a great step. Also, you know, in the world of reviews being everything and looking at reviews for so many things, it's, you know, hard to know which re reviews are authentic. So I also like that as well. You know, just talking to someone, having a quick phone conversation, Hey, you work with health. What's that like? You know, what, is, what does that service um, all include? And I think that's a, that's a cool step. So I love that. Yeah. So thanks for sharing Telef. It's been, been great to hear about your, your business insights and about um, what you've been involved in here. If you want to learn more about Telef, we're going to have his information for about his business, about what he does, about his LinkedIn profile below in the description of this podcast. You can definitely reach out to him if you're looking for anything with digital marketing. So thanks again, Telef. Thanks for joining us. Thanks for having me, Nate. Good talking to you.